0: Today we're starting. Uh, we're, we're continuing on our series entitled Live Out Loud. And what we're talking about is sharing our faith. Live out loud. I mean, you ever been in a car and your song comes on? Come on, don't get so spiritual. You know what I'm talking about. Your song comes on, and here's what you do. You just reach for the volume, right? And you just turn it up. And, you're, and if you're like my wife, you're doing, and I'm going, honey, please, there are people looking at us, right? Well... Whatever the case is, um, I want to encourage you that your faith is something that is meant to be released, not contained. It's meant to be released, not contained. And so it reminds me of a a joke I once heard. you got to promise me something before I say this joke. You're going to laugh. right? Tell your neighbor, we're going to laugh. Make a pastor feel good this morning. (laughs) It reminds me of a joke I once heard of a friend who was in front of his... uh, Church coming out with a friend that he had invited and this particular friend of his uh, as he was coming out, uh, he, he, uh, the pastor went to shake hands with him and so the pastor not only goes to shake hands with him, the pastor actually grabs him and the pastor says to him, hey, you need to join the army of the Lord and his friend replied and he says to him, I'm already in the army of the Lord pastor. So the pastor says to him, how come I don't see you except at Christmas and on Easter? And he whispered back to him, I'm in the secret service. (laughs) Come on. It was somewhat funny. You got to give me that. It was, it was somewhat. All right. Yeah. All right. Oh God. All right. This is all right. So in any event, um, it's awesome that we can begin today, you know, this morning with just a laugh, something to, you know, kind of, get our day going, but the truth is that none of us are called to be undercover Christians. How many of us know that? Right? Right? There's no such thing as Christian incognito association. There's no CIA when it comes to Christianity. There isn't. Right? Today we're continuing on the second part of our mini-series, Live Out Loud, and as we learned last week, the message that we've received in the gospel is too great to contain. Right? As we learned last week, we are God's first response. We're God's first response. If you've never thought of this, I want to encourage you today to wrap your head and your heart around this. That you are God's hands and feet. How many of you would agree with that? I said you are God's hands and feet. So whether you're at work and you're you're a beautician and you're doing somebody's hair or you're in the office and you're working with someone or you have family members and, and they're in need of Jesus and, and they're coming to you and they're opening their lives to you, you are God's first response. And, and, and if you're like me at one point, here's what I would do. Oh, God saved them. And God was saying, well, that's what I got you there for, right? And so we are God's first response to a world that's in need of the saving power of Jesus. And the truth is this that it's a matter of life and death, ladies and gentlemen. As we saw last week, the Bible says that you were once dead, but you he made alive. And that's the state that many people that we live amongst, that we have relationship with, that we come into contact with, that allow us access into their lives and open up their lives to us. These people are in need of saving grace. They are in need of the same message that was good enough for you and I, more than good enough for you and I, to experience life change. And so, today I want to talk to you about the power of your testimony. The power of your testimony. How many of you would say that you have a testimony? All right, go ahead and wave at me. It's alright. Don't be ashamed. You got a testimony, right? Now, when you think about a testimony, what are you usually thinking about? You're thinking about where you came from right? You're thinking about what your life was like before Jesus. And I want to show you something from scripture that actually reveals something more than just that. But before we do that, I'd like to just introduce to you our main idea that your testimony is not about where God brought you from. Your testimony is about what God brought you to. I'm going to show you that in scripture. Many times when it comes to sharing our testimony, here's what we do. It's like pulling people through the mud. We say, let me tell you about my life. And we tell them about all our hangups. We tell them about all our shortcomings. We tell them about everything we've struggled with. We tell them about everything, every place we failed. And then we tell them about Jesus. And when we tell them about Jesus, what we say is, he saved me. But that doesn't make sense to the average person. Let me show you from scripture what I'm talking about. Revelation chapter 12 verses 10 and 11 says this. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation. When? Now, now right? It says now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of, of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. How many of you know that's talking about the devil? Right, It says, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame, they what? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. The Apostle John here received a vision that illustrates for us the power of our testimony. I want to point out a couple of things to you. Uh, Let's go back to verse uh, 10 real quick, if we could. If we could just put that up. I want you to see that the Bible is here revealing what has come already. The kingdom of God. Strength. Right? Salvation. How many of us have received that in Christ? Right? You have that power in His Christ. In Christ Jesus. But watch what it says. It says that the accuser of our brethren, of us, is cast down which accused them before God day and night. And verse 11 goes on to say that we overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Let me just point something out to you. That's talking about Jesus. That's talking about Jesus. And then it goes on and it's talking about something that Jesus did by his blood. And so watch this. He goes on to say, and by the word of their testimony. And then it goes on to say that they love not their lives unto death. In these verses, what we see is this, that our testimony is not based upon where we've been. It's based upon what Jesus did, what the blood of the lamb accomplished. Let me, tell, let me put it to you this way. If you're going to share with someone your faith, here's what you need to tell them about. Who saved you? What Christ has done in your life? What God has brought you to? How many of you have a better life today as a result of Jesus? How many of you would say that where once you had some broken relationships, Jesus has restored those relationships? How many of you would say where one time you struggled with a legalistic approach to God, now you walk in freedom in your relationship with God, right? Now you understand that the blessing of God is upon you. Now you understand that God truly loves you, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. How many of you would agree that that's good news? So why do we at times believe that what we have to do is tell people all the bad news about our past. No, see, our testimony is Jesus. Our testimony is Christ. Our testimony is what God has done in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that where we were at one point and God bringing us through that isn't powerful. Absolutely. But our testimony is not based upon our past. Our testimony is based upon the new life that we've received in Christ. That makes sense? And so uh, I remember a conversation I once had with a gentleman uh, who who comes to the church. And and when he came, he he said to me, man, I, I really need to talk to you. I really want to meet with you. And I said, okay, fine. And so he comes and he meets me. And when he comes to meet me, he says, I want to share with you my testimony. I said, okay. And he takes me through 14 years of addiction, of trouble, marital problems, uh, divorce, uh, broken relationships. And as I'm listening to him as a courtesy, instead of being lifted up, here's what this guy is doing. It's like a balloon. It's just deflating slowly. And he gets to this real low point. and And he starts telling me some really tragic stuff. And I said, you know what? Can we just stop this conversation right here? I said, I don't want to hear about your past. And he looked at me, and for a minute there, he got offended. And I said to him, listen to what I'm saying to you. I don't want to hear about your past, because your past not, has nothing to do with what Jesus has done in your life now. 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 And so our testimony is based upon what Jesus has done. Let me prove it to you from the words of Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 11. Again, these are Jesus' words, not my words. Watch what Jesus says. He says, very truly I tell you. In other words, this is not a lie. You can bank on this. This is the truth. This is reality. He says, very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know. We speak of... Of what we know and we testify of what we have seen but still you people do not accept our testimony in this case Jesus is talking to a religious leader named Nicodemus and in the midst of this conversation Jesus is sharing with him about us having to be born again that we do know we no longer relate to God according to our flesh according to these experiences, according to what we feel, that we relate to God, spirit to spirit. As a matter of fact, in John six sixty three, Jesus puts it this way. He says, what, what is of this uh, 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 the, the flesh profits us nothing. It is the spirit that gives us life. And so in the midst of this conversation, Jesus says to him, wait, you are a teacher? You're, you're, you're a teacher amongst the people of Israel, and you can't understand what I'm saying to you? And then he says this to him. He says, I'm telling you the truth, that I'm speaking to you about something that I know, and I'm testifying to you about something that I've seen. You know what Jesus is saying? I'm pointing you. I'm trying to share something with you that is unlike and uh, it has nothing to do with where you've been or what you've known. He's testifying to him about the kingdom of God, which has come now. And that's the power of our testimony. See, According to Jesus, our testimony is not based upon what we know about our past. It's based upon who we know in Jesus Christ. It's based upon what we've come to see through Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. How has Jesus in your life changed your perspective about life? How's it changed the perspective? Listen, there was a time when I was going to church, but I felt like I was at the bottom of the totem pole because I struggled with my actions, I struggled with my behavior, I struggled with what I heard in church and somehow making, allowing that to connect to my life. I believed that God was the hammer and I was the nail and I had no revelation of Jesus outside of the fact that he was Lord. Outside of that, I understood nothing. And so I struggled with that. And so, for many years, I stood stuck in a muck. I stood stuck in my behavior. I stood stuck in my past. But why? Because I didn't understand what Jesus had accomplished for the entire world. And if we have no understanding, no revelation of what this new life in Christ is, then guess what? We won't have a testimony. What we'll have is we'll be looking back at our hang-ups. That's not, how many of you know that Jesus calls us to move forward, right? We're called to move forward in Christ, not backwards. And so let me share with you some thoughts here today as to what happens when we testify, when we actually share a testimony. Let's turn in our Bibles real quick to the book of Acts chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 14. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. Starting at verse 1, it says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. So what's happening here? What's happening here is that the disciples have now been uh, arrested. And they are before the religious leadership of the day. Let me put it to you this way. They're before the leaders of what was known in those days as the church, quote-unquote. And so verse 2 tells us that they were being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. What were they preaching? Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. What weren't they preaching? They weren't weren't preaching about their dead life beforehand. They were preaching Jesus crucified and raised again. And so in verse 3 he says, and they laid hands on them. That means that they beat them. They laid hands on them And put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they said, By what power or by what name have you done this? See, they had, uh, uh, they had uh, healed a crippled man who had been that way for many, many years. And so there's a stir going on amongst the people. And they're saying, By what name did you do this? By what power did you do this? And so Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel... If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has he been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Verse 11. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. I'm going to say that again. They realized that they had been with Jesus. Verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. In the midst of persecution and in the midst of an opportunity... To testify, what we see here is that Jesus was revealed. See, when you testify as to who Jesus is in your life, as opposed to where you've been in your life, the only thing that's evident when you testify to Jesus is the power of Jesus. It's the love of Jesus. It's the transforming power of Christ in your life at work. It speaks louder than any past you could speak of. That makes sense? See, if God was interested in our past, then guess what? We'd still be living with it as a result after Christ. But what does the Bible say? It says that he's washed us white as snow. It says that as far as the east is from the west, he's removed sin from his memory. He remembers no more. And so why are we bringing up the past when what we should be talking about is Jesus in our life now? Jesus and what his promises say about our lives and the lives of others. You know, when my life started to change, and I can assure you that when your life started to change, it wasn't because of your past. It was because you began to see Christ differently. It's because you began to see yourself in light of who Christ is differently. That's where life change is, ladies and gentlemen. And so I remember a time where, and I may have shared this at some point. I'm sure I have over the years. But I remember a time when I, when I was out with a bunch of teens. I used to be a youth pastor out in Middletown. And we, we had a lot of teens at that point. And so I remember I was teaching this evangelism class. And I was just trying to teach kids how to evangelize. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was just telling, just talk to them about Jesus. And so I'm sharing with them about, you know, what the scriptures say about sharing your faith and all that. And so here was the kicker. After all these weeks that we had this class, I said to them, we are going to go out into the streets, and we're going to go share our faith. And they were like, um, yeah, about that. Uh, and, but I convinced them. So we went. And it just so happens, and this wasn't planned, on the day that we went, there was a huge festival in the city of Middletown. And so we show up. And I'm seeing carnival, carnival wheels, and all the, and games and people and music. And I'm like, we are at the right place. And so we get out there, and they, they start talking. And then after, they just became like these gospel machines, man. They didn't want to stop, right? And they're talking with people and praying with people and all that. And I remember as I'm walking, we had these T-shirts, right, that that said uh, something about Jesus or whatever. So I'm, I'm walking, and I bump into, I, I run into this. Uh, this uh, Muslim gentleman who's standing outside a bar, right? You could tell that he had a few drinks and all that. He says to me, oh, you're one of those Jesus people. Yes. And I said, I believe in Jesus. He says, so do I. And I said to him, really? Tell me what you believe about Jesus. And he says, I believe that Jesus was a prophet. And I, and I had nothing to do with this, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't plan this. I didn't conjure this up. I know it was the Holy Spirit. I said to him, if Jesus was a prophet, then tell me, what was the message that God gave him to bring to this world? He got in my face. Spittle and everything. I mean, like literally, And he's cursing me out. And he's like, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, and I'm just like, okay. I'm just like, listen, brother, I'm just asking you a question. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what we believe about Jesus. Well, he curses me out. I walk away. I leave whatever I leave him there. About an hour later, right when we're about to wrap up and we're starting to gather all the kids and I've got all our leaders and volunteers out bringing all the kids in. um, uh, What ends up happening is that a friend of mine, Joe, ends up walking by this same bar, same t-shirt. And as Joe's walking by this bar, this same gentleman catches sight of Joe and he sees the t-shirt. And he tells one of his friends, go tell that guy to come over here. And he walks in. Joe did not know it all. The encounter I had with this gentleman—he walks in and he says to him, "Tell me about this Jesus. Tell me about the Jesus that you believe in." And right then and there, Joe engages in a conversation with him, and that man falls on his knees in tears and accepts Christ in the middle of a bar. Let me tell you why that's powerful. Let me tell you why that's—ladies po- and gentlemen, all we have to do is share what Christ has done, who Christ is. It's not that complicated. And when we share Jesus like these uh, apostles that we see, there's one thing that people take note of. Not you, not me, not us. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And you know what the beauty of that is according to verse 14? What can people respond to the truth when all that's revealed is Christ? That makes sense? And so... What happens when we testify? Acts chapter 14, verses 6 through 10 says this, But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country. Let me just pause right there. Once again, we find another one of the apostles, the Apostle Paul he's he's uh, they they were plotting to kill him he's been in this region sharing the gospel and so the people say hey we got to get you out of here they get him out of there and so he goes to another area called Lystra and so verse 7 says where they continued to preach the gospel in Lystra there sat a man who was lame he was crippled he had been that way from birth and had never walked He listened to Paul as he was speaking. What was he doing? He was listening to Paul. And what do we know about the Apostle Paul? Paul said, I have been appointed by God to share this gospel. This is the same Paul that said, I can't help myself. I have to preach the gospel. And so we know what Paul was speaking about. And then it goes on to say that Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. And he called out and said, stand on your feet. Watch this. At that, at what? At the message that he had heard. And at the, at, the, at the response that that message called for in his life. The man jumped up and he began to walk. Let me tell you what we're talking about here. When you testify as to who Jesus is, what God has brought you to as opposed to where you've come from. Here's what happens. The power of God has release. Yes. It's released. You don't believe me? Let me give you an example. Deacon Lenny, come on up here real quick. Deacon Lenny was just away for a couple of days. Uh, he got back last week, and he, uh, he went to Nicaragua on a missions trip. And I'm just letting you all know we're planning on a trip for next March. But here's what we're doing. Here's what happens. Deacon, Deacon Lenny went out there. And he went out there on a mission trip. He has a Bible school, a Caris Bible School in Beacon. Great school, by the way, just just an FYI. Great school, solid stuff uh, that they're teaching. It's the Word. And so uh, Deacon Lenny goes out there, and he was commissioned with one thing. Take your students, right, because that's part of his curriculum. And also, they gave him opportunity to share the gospel. I want you to hear briefly what happened. Okay.
1: Can I start on the plane real quick? Go ahead, please. <laughs> My wife and I always pray every day. The, the, the harvest is right. Labors are few. We're laborers. So Holy Spirit, live through us and show us the right ones. Yep, That's how we start out every day. That's how I started out the trip. Now, when I was on the plane flying from Newark to uh, Miami, I always, Lord, show me a, give me a divine appointment. So I'm sitting on the outside aisle. I always ask for the outside aisle. And a woman's walking. And as, as soon as she gets to my seat, boom, she passes out comes unconscious. Her husband sees her, runs to her, and grabs her hand and starts patting her on the face to try to get her to wake up, no response. The flight attendant comes, and the flight attendant is like, is there anybody that, that uh, that's in the medical profession that can help us out? Nobody's responding. So I take her hand, I take her hand, and I look at the, the husband, and I say, listen, I'm a Christian, and, and Jesus heals, can I pray for her? And he said, please do so I looked at the flight attendant, and I said, is it okay? She said, do
0: something. <laughs> so, so I grabbed her hand, and I prayed
1: for her, and I said, Father, thank you that by his stripes, this woman was healed, so we command the healing right now in Jesus' name. And everybody's hearing me. And I'm like, wow, Lord, that was quick. Boom, she pops up. Amen. She pops up. She gets up. a husband's thanking me flight attendants <laughs>
0: high-fiving me people are clapping,
1: <laughs> but it's not me it's Jesus yes. now yes. you say you can't do that and I say I used to think the same way and I realized it's not me I didn't do it it was <laughs> Jesus so That's all right, you gotta yeah. have to do is just let Jesus alright right? so now when we get to Nicaragua it's easy when you get to Nicaragua because because the missionaries are coming they're hungry and they're hungry and they're expecting Yeah. most of the time they're expecting money and clothes and shoes but we come to the gospel we just teach them about Jesus we just teach them that 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 God is more concerned, Jesus is more concerned with the fact that you know he loves you more than the fact that you think, you know, you have to love him. Because they, they'll say, I love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then when you ask, if you know if he loves you, you're not too confident about that. Mm-hmm. So we preach them about Jesus, how he loves them, how he died for them, how he raised. And when he was raised from the dead, they were raised with him, the newness of life. And now, if you believe that you're healed... I mean, you're forgiven. You must believe that you're healed. And so we preach the gospel to them. Just preach Jesus. Just talk Jesus. And then we have altar calls.
0: Tell about the man with the eye.
1: And one man that comes up, he's blind in one eye. So what I did was I put my hand over his good eye, and I told him to open up the bad eye. And the interpreter told me he can't. It was like sealed shut. It didn't even open. He couldn't even see out of it. It couldn't even open. So I said, Okay. And so I just put my hand over the new eye, I mean the bad eye, and just, in the name of Jesus. I first eyes. I made sure he was born again, mm-hmm. because it's not that I don't believe that God won't heal him because they're not born again. Because Jesus, healed a lot of people that weren't born again. But I wanted him to understand, if you believe your sins are forgiven, you must believe you're healed. Because they go together. Yep. So we commanded that eye to open, and for him to see in the name of Jesus, and boom. Come on, come on now, come on now. Come on now. You and you started speaking in Spanish. How do you say in Spanish? I can see. Yo puedo ver. Say it louder. Yo puedo ver. Say it louder. Yo puedo ver. Say it louder. Yo puedo ver. Yo puedo ver. <laughs> Amen. And so then what happened after that, you know, and it's just because of Jesus. You preach the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it, it is, is
0: the it. power yeah. of God. That's right. So when That's you right. share Jesus, Amen.
1: when you share Jesus, you sharing
0: power. Amen. And Amen.
1: it comes by hearing and hearing the words of Christ. So when you share Christ and they hear the words of Christ, Faith comes for whatever they need. Amen. So now, this woman comes up to me, <laughs> and she can't raise her arm. And the interpreter tells me she was in a bad motorcycle accident, and she has a torn rotator cuff. So I said, okay, that's no big deal for God. Nope. And we the same thing. You, you believe, you're forgiven. Okay, you believe you're forgiven, you must believe that you're healed also. So we commanded, we commanded the healing in Jesus' name. And then I looked at her and I said, I went like this to her, I went, <laughs> and she looked at me and she said <laughs> And I said
0: <laughs>
1: So then she went
0: Amen 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 Alright so I want you to think about this. Most most people here's what they go they go Ooh, a miracle but what was what okay what was what was the source of that? What was the source of that? It's the message of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. There's a release of power in the name of Jesus. When all we do is reveal Jesus, all we do is point to Jesus, the power of God is present, available, and active. And so let's keep it simple. Just share the good news. Share who Jesus is. The power for life is in your testimony. Proverbs 18, 21, the first half says this. It says that death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. Your words are a vehicle to bring forth life. What better life to bring than the life-saving message of who Jesus is? Hmm. In Isaiah 63, 7, it says, I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise the Lord for all he has done. I will rejoice in his great goodness to Israel, which he has granted according to his mercy and love. I want you to see something here, that this is all testimony about what God has done. This is all testimony. This is the prophet Isaiah prophesying and testifying about a Jesus that people didn't even know about, about an unfailing love that people weren't even acquainted with at that time. And here's what he's doing. He's magnifying who God is. I'm going to tell you why that's important. Because the goodness of God is one of the most misunderstood things in this world. You talk to the average person about God being good and they'll, here's what they'll come back at you with. Well, how come all these crazy things are happening in this world? How come I lost this loved one? How come God did this? Listen, it's so bad in this world, I'll prove it to you. We have an insurance policy, right, as a church, just, just something that we do. We, so we have insurance for everything that we do, for events and all that. And in the insurance policies, there's a clause that says, we'll cover you for X, Y, and Z. But in the case of an quote unquote act of God, and what I want to do is rip that thing up right there. I'm like, it wasn't God. It's not God. God is not the author of evil, God is not the author of our hurts. God is not the author of our our situations. Listen, can we be honest with ourselves? Sometimes we've made bad choices. Sometimes we believe some things that aren't necessarily true. Sometimes we defer to things that we've taught either by, we've been taught either by example or someone actually told us you have to do this and we've lived in error. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. That God is the one that brings life change. It is the goodness of God that leads all men to repentance. It's not hell and brimstone and fire. It's not you're a a mess up, you're a screw up. It's not look where you've been, look what you've done. Whenever we're going to talk about Jesus, you know what we're talking about? The potential that's available for everyone. Not just us, but for the entire world. Why not simply magnify God? When we talk about Jesus, it magnifies who God is. And then lastly, As we're closing out here, we're going to look at John 14, verse 6. And again, these are the words of Jesus. This is familiar for some of us. Maybe we've heard it. But I pray that you hear this with a new set of ears today. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, no one comes to the Father except through me. Hey, when all we do is testify about who Jesus is, about his goodness, about his love, about his power, about how much God loved the world that, man, he gave his very best, not just for you, Christian, for everyone. God is not a respecter of any men, the word says. You know what what it's saying there? It's saying that God doesn't look at any other men differently. All men in his sight, hold the same potential and value to receive the greatest gift, to receive his love, and to receive his life-changing power. All men. Has nothing to do with your past, has nothing to do with your current circumstance, has nothing to do with your current failures, has nothing to do about what you will do at some point, because we all will drop the ball at some point. But in God's eyes, God loves us so much that he says, hey, I just want to present to you the way. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And so when we testify as to who Jesus is, as opposed to where we've been and where we come from, it opens up the path unto true life. True life. A powerful truth that we have is that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life that makes relationship with God and salvation possible. Jesus is the only way that we can be right with God. It has nothing to do with our behavior, our actions. It has everything to do with the one we testify about, Jesus, 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 Jesus only. I leave you with the closing scripture that we started with today. Revelations chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. It says, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Let me remind you something, believer. Let me remind us all something here today. Whether you know Jesus or not, the devil's not as big as we like to think. He's not as big as we like to think. If you look at Isaiah 14, check it out on your own time. It tells us, That in that day, we will look, the the nations will stare at Satan. And here's what they'll say. Is this he? Is this the man who caused the nations to tremble? I was just studying that recently. And you know, it's interesting, but in Isaiah 14, when it says, Is this the man that caused the nations to tremble? That word man there means servant. It means slave. And so what I want you to begin to see here is this, that salvation has come. Maybe you got some struggles. Maybe, maybe there's some areas that need correction. Listen, the devil has no power in your life, only the lie that you give power to. And the truth is this, that salvation has come now. Strength for our lives has come now. The kingdom of our God is come now. And the power of his Christ is in us and available unto all right now. The accuser of our brethren is cast down. He might accuse. He might, he might th- launch condemnation and all these thoughts at you day and night. But according to scripture, we overcome by one thing. The blood of the lamb and our testimony of who Jesus is. The next time you find yourself condemned, the next time you're in the midst of a conversation and somebody's telling you, you don't know how messed up I am. You don't know how bad I am. You don't know all the, all the times I've let my family down, all the bridges I've burnt, all the mistakes I've made. What you need to tell them is, listen, you're listening to the wrong report. Because what Jesus says is that he loves you, that he died for you, that he became sin for you so that you could become righteous. Righteous. In the eyes of God, so that you could be right with God. Oh, but you don't understand, man, I'm, I struggle with this. I struggle no, what we don't understand is this, what Christ has done has done. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the life-giving power of this message of the gospel. Tell them about the change that Christ has done in your life. Don't tell them about where you've been. Tell them about where you've come to. That's life-changing, ladies and gentlemen. That's life-changing. We can all relate to a past because we remember. How about changing the story? How about testifying with our words to Jesus and the blood of the Lamb and what it's done in our lives and what it can do unto all? Amen? That's powerful. Our testimony is not about where God brought us from. It's about what God has brought us to in Christ. Let's stand.